fire, earth, water, air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then everything changed and the water nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Hey everyone, it's Madame Elmeow here, bringing you chapter 19 of Distorted Reality, Agni's Eye. Um, just a brief note before we begin. Next week is the actual um, finale of this book of Distorted Reality. So you're going to get two episodes next week, not one, because who wants to wait for the second part? Of the finale. I certainly wouldn't. Exactly. Um, other than that, I don't have much to add. Um, you know where to find us on social medias. I'll list them at the end of the episode. Just in case. Please. Great review, etc. Thank you for listening. Here's the ad. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. Before the ad, forgot to mention this chapter has been edited. It is not an original version of the chapter. Just letting you know, as I said I would. All right, now the ad. Distorted Reality by Bathan. Chapter 19, Agni's Eye. From the original author's notes, I wrote, As of December 17th, Distorted Reality will now be one year old. That is terrible. I've never updated a story so slow. I at least hope to be finished with book one, but my computer problem sent me back. Frowny face. But since that is not a good speed at all, I will try to update faster. This year has been difficult and will only get worse. But I am never one to abandon a story. Edited 2-7-2021 Wow, I wrote that note in 2008. That stuff aged well, huh? Anyway, did my usual changes this chapter. No big changes except for elaborating on certain details more, and I changed the High Chief's name to Zhu Shen. Alternate chapter title, The Firebending Master. Book 1, Fire. Chapter 18, Agni's Eye. Even with Fire Lord Azula so far away in the Fire Nation, her presence in Ba Sing Se could still be keenly felt. Aang kept his head down as he walked with Suki and Haru through the loyal ring. Dai Li agents stood in front of a blazing building, the light from the fire casting them in long shadows. House burnings were a favorite pastime of Azula's, her way of smoking out dissidents who fought for a free Earth Kingdom. With all of the buildings in this ring so close together, the fires spread to the whole city block, devouring her enemies and many more besides. If the city was a pie show board, then Azula was a destructive child who swept away all her opponent's tiles. Aang and his companions had found it easy to enter the city after the destruction of the outer walls during Sozin's Comet. Ozai's destruction had been stopped right at the walls of the lower ring, but everything outside of it had been burnt to ash. Vast fields of farmland vanished in the span of a single day, and starvation choked the people of Ba Sing Se just as much as the smoke from all of Azula's burnings. He felt its heat as he walked the perimeter of the city block. Sokka, Katara, Toph, and Zuko had gone into the maze of apartments built on top of each other over the years to find people stuck inside the burning building, 
and it was the job of Aang, Suki, and Haru to make sure the Dai Li didn't notice. Refugees of the lower ring watched the burning with defeated looks on their faces. This had become a common occurrence to them. Their expressions made Aang feel a dull ache in his chest. He hoped they would succeed in their ultimate reason for coming back to the city, to free it from Fire Nation rule. Suki squeezed Aang's wrist, a sharp pain to grab his attention. His head shot in the direction she faced, and his heart pounded with dread when he spotted Tai Lee among the crowd. She stared into the fire, the light gone from her eyes. She hadn't even noticed them as the trio dispersed into the alleyways surrounding the city block. By the time they got a safe distance away, Haru turned to them panting. What is it? What happened? We saw Tai Lee, said Suki, her face grim. Sokka and the others need to get out of there. We can't fight her here, not with all these Dai Li, and all these people. Worse than Tai Li was supportant of what her presence meant. Azula can't be far. She wasn't supposed to come to Ba Sing Se this month, Aang said. They had to get out, but it would be tricky. The most dangerous part of Ba Sing Se was that they couldn't bring Appa there for a quick getaway. Black smoke churned into the sky, and the light from the fire cast a shade of crimson into the sunset that reminded Aang of blood. But even far away from it, with several buildings between them, Aang could feel its heat. And then, the burning turned blue. According to Tai Li, the northern tip of the Fire Nation had been born entirely from volcanic activity, layer upon layer building up over thousands of years. A good majority of the small continent was a volcanic field, constantly spewing ash into the sky and lava all over the ground and into the water, constantly creating new land and covering the old. As a result, the island was relatively new compared to the rest of the Fire Nation, and the soil was perhaps the most fertile in the world, untouched by the war with the Water Empire. With volcanoes covering the whole island, the Golden City was safely protected, nestled into the caladra of a grand dormant one, even bigger than the old Fire Nation capital. Agni himself was said to protect his people from the poisonous fumes of the surrounding giants. The first dragon blessed them with eternal crops in the light of the sun, keeping the people of the Golden City self-sufficient and safe from the war. The heat of the sun and the warm wind on his face made Aang grin. He tried to forget the remnants of last night's dream and shared in the delight of Azula at the end of their quest to find a firebending master. The Golden City was finally in front of them. Azula, barely able to contain her enthusiasm, used her only outlets to let it all out. Zuko and her firebending. She incessantly teased her brother with blasts of fire from her knuckles, trying to scare him into jumping in the ocean. On the other side of the saddle, Tai Lee sat with her knees folded tightly, biting her thumb as she stared blankly ahead of them with wide gray eyes. Aang adjusted his headband and moved from Appa's head to sit by her side. So you're finally going to tell us all your secret, aren't you? Aang asked her. He didn't want to pressure her, not least because of his own secrets he kept from his friends, but he was worried even now that her secret had the potential to endanger them. For a moment, she didn't say anything. Instead, she continued to stare into space. Finally, she nodded. I think... I think it was a mistake coming with you, she said, her voice quavering. Don't say that, Aang said, frowning slightly. You had a great time traveling with us. We enjoy your company. Zuko finally managed to edge away from Azula, crawling across Oppa's saddle to sit behind Tylee. 
Yeah, you're part of our family now. Well, it's awkward for me to call you family, but, you know, it's by association. He shrugged awkwardly, his face burning a bright red. Now even I kind of like you, Azula said, sliding over to sit in front of her. The firebender kept her new hairstyle. It was now flying freely in the wind, part of it held in a golden topknot which shined in the sun. No matter what happens here, you're always welcome to stay with us, wherever we go, Aang said. Tai Lee gave them all a wistful smile, and her eyes began to tear. She hurriedly wiped it away with her palm. Thanks, guys, she said. Really, I don't deserve this. Sabi cooed and soared over to Tai Lee's shoulder, licking her face. Even Sabi loves you, Zuko said, grinning. Tai Lee sat up and gave a real smile, one of her brightest ones yet. She held out her arms and grabbed Zuko and Azula around the neck, hauling them into a hug. You join us too, Aang! Aang looked at the three of his friends. Azula was stunned, but Zuko had one arm around Tai Lee. Slowly, he extended his arms around Zuko and Azula, completing the circle. Tai Lee squeezed them all happily, bringing memories back to Aang of older hugs with his other family. The thought had settled onto him like a heavy mantle weighing him down. Sabi scurried into the middle of them all, nuzzling against their legs. For a few seconds, they stayed that way. Azula was the first to pull away, followed by Aang and Zuko. That was strange. This doesn't leave the saddle, okay? Azula murmured awkwardly. Tylee giggled and Zuko grinned, but Aang said nothing. Aang still felt Katara's, Sokka's, Toph's, and Zuko's arms embracing him. He wished Momo could be there, too. Azula left the saddle to grab Appa's reins, while Tai Lee lay down on her stomach and kicked her legs into the air, approaching the Golden City with a happier outlook. Zuko seemed to notice Aang's change. What is it, Aang? N nothing. I just remembered some things, he gave as his only response. Zuko looked as if he would push the issue, but Aang was saved by a declaration from Azula. We're here! As Aang, Zuko, and Tai Lee looked over the saddle, they noticed the ocean vanishing and solid ground appearing beneath them. The imposing mountain range that seemed so far away for so long had come more clearly into view, dwarfing them on all sides, while smoke belched from the volcanic fields somewhere on the other side of the island. Each peak was enormously wide, with smooth slopes that reminded Aang of old ink paintings and the occasional vein of glowing magma cascading down the mountainsides. It made him think of the warmth and wonder of the Fire Nation from before his time in the iceberg. So, where's the city? Zuko asked for a moment after they were finished being awed by the landscape. Azula's smile vanished as she considered the question. It's that way, Tai Lee said, pointing ahead and slightly to their right. Right behind this mountain. You've been here before, Azula stated. Yes, Tylee confirmed with a quick nod. All the better for us, she smirked. Azula directed Appa to fly around the Ashen Mountain in front of them, only to reveal another one, slightly larger. However, down in the valley, Aang spotted hundreds of reddish pagodas, similar to the ones in the rest of the Fire Nation archipelago. Aang leaned over the side of the saddle. There! That's it? Azula asked barely masking her disappointment. Nope, 
That's just the outskirts, Tylee said. Look, did you see that plume of flame? That's our signal. Go down to them. A firebender, Azula exclaimed. Almost directly below them, seeming to cleave the rows of houses in half, was a gigantic, narrow stone bridge. It led into a tunnel decorated with a gilded archway and blocky carvings etched into it that made Aang think of his adventure in the Sun Warrior City. Several figures stood outside the tunnel and buildings, tiny dots looking up at the flying bison. It was them who shot the signal flame into the air. Appa began to descend. Ty Lee fidgeted and then shouted out in a high-pitched squeal. She shot through their luggage behind the saddle and dug through the clothing, losing a shirt or two into the sky. What are you doing? Zuko yelped in panic, seeing some of his clothes fly away. Ty Lee gave no answer. In another moment, she found what she was looking for and drew out a long, rich red cloak trimmed in gold. Where'd we get that? Aang wondered aloud. Tai Lee hurriedly put it over her head and drew the hood, concealing her features. You're not a fugitive here, are you? She didn't get a chance to answer because they landed on the bridge. It's stonework and its construction, a rival for Earth Kingdom artisans on the other side of the world. It looked almost ominous, carved from the pumice of the surrounding mountains, but the black rock made the striking gold and marble stand out all the more. Who are you? said one of the men who unleashed the signal fire. With his hair done up in a phoenix tail and an open vest with no shirt, Aang gasps when he recognized the man as a member of the Sun Warriors. The Avatar is traveling to the Golden City for a firebending master. The Avatar is traveling to the Golden City for a firebending master. Chief Bato let his words sink into the captains and other chiefs before him, most of which wore formal wolf armor or the other accoutrements of their clans. Seated around a council table, Bato had removed his buffalo yak helm so they could see his face clearly. As the leader of this expedition, he wanted to have them read his face, his eyes full of passion. Great speakers and storytellers were highly respected in the Water Tribes, and revealing his face clearly allowed his audience to relate to him better. It was a favorite tactic of Hakoda's to speak not as a superior or overlord as his forefathers did, but as one of them, almost like an equal rather than an emperor chosen by the spirits. The Fire Nation is strong. They are passionate, willful, and wild. A massive invasion force will be required to topple them, Bato continued. This presents us with, pardon the pun, a golden opportunity. Then let's get the full navy and flood their city, said one captain, clenching a fist. No, no, said Bato, leaning forward in his chair. He gestured over the map spread across the table. The people of the Fire Nation are powerful. Their very landscape is a vicious enemy to us. It is all volcanic fields and mountains. Our water would be difficult to wield in that sort of place. That is a reason why they've stood for a hundred years. <clears throat> then what should we do? asked a thoughtful chief. The firebenders seek honorable head-on fights. We will use that to our advantage with a sneak attack in the night. They will not be ready. Very soon, the Fire Nation will fall, just like the Air Nomads.
Though the soldiers and guardians of the city looked exactly like the Sun Warriors, Aang noticed regular civilians on the city's outskirts dressed exactly like noble women and men of the Fire Nation, each wearing long robes of red, black, and occasionally pink with one or two shoulder spikes. Each person had their hair in a customary top knot or tied back, decorated with a red or gold headpiece. Some even had bald heads with long phoenix tails like their escort, reminding Aang of a banished Prince Zuko. As they passed, the civilians bowed their heads in greeting, bobbing like turtle ducks in a pond. Aang and the others were led into the dark tunnel, large enough to fit Appa, their only source of light being fireballs held in the palms of the soldiers. Aang and Azula quickly mimicked them, which caused the guards to elicit exclamations of surprise at the two new firebenders in their midst. This mountain is huge, Zuko said, looking at the tunnel walls splashed with firelight. They were carved with ancient murals of dragons and fire, decorated occasionally with inlaid, glittering sunstones. Is the city underground? No, one of the guards stated. This mountain used to be a volcano, so the city is situated in this crater. This is the largest volcano in the Fire Nation, and perhaps the world. It is known as Agni's Eye, one of the other guards continued. From above, the circular rim of the volcano and the golden inside makes it look like the sun's great eye. That's amazing, Azula said. The island is even shaped like a sun, Tylee stated, drawing all attention to her. Her features were still hidden by her hood. The fires in the palms of the firebenders cast a shadow over her face. Almost round, with peninsulas spiraling outward, almost like coronas. Indeed, said the first guard, giving her a sideways glance. Double stone doors appeared out of the darkness, marking the end of the tunnel. They were decorated with two entwined dragons circling a brilliant red sunstone. One of the guards took a step back and thrust a flaming fist into the stone, causing the doors to slowly grind open. Welcome, he said, as Aang and the others covered their eyes, to the Golden City. Warm, golden light shined into the tunnel as the doors opened, expanding to present the beautiful city in all of its splendor. The four were nearly blinded by the gold revealed to them. Each building was a piece of artwork, each rooftop gilded to look like dragon claws. The roads had been delicately tiled and made straight and even, inlaid with occasional gold blocks. The white sandstone almost gleamed as much as the gold, but it paled in comparison to the rest of the city's majesty. Aang didn't think he'd ever seen so much wealth in one place before. The Avatar, his friends, and their escorts all walked around Appa as delighted children poked their heads out at the new arrivals, laughing and squealing with joy when they saw Appa. Aang wished he had at least three more heads to take in everything all around him. Palm trees lined the roadways and greenery tumbled down from the sides of some buildings like waterfalls. Ivy coiled around gold and bright flowers grew with gemstones. Even the water spread throughout the city in wide, shallow pools seemed like molten gold in the sunlight. Only Tai Lee's head was face forward. Her frame looked smaller than usual under her gold cloak. A grand statue stood in the middle of the road before them, raised up on a dais. It was a golden figure of a powerful, shirtless man with his hands outstretched, streaming constant fire from his hands into the sky. Small, twin, golden dragons twisted around his torso, spewing two more streams of fire. 
the scene to be the central gathering place of the city, its core, everything circled around the statue. People were everywhere, but they all gave the bison and his companions a wide berth. It didn't take long for Aang to realize that their escort meant to bring them straight to the palace as guests of honor. Far ahead, he could see the palace shining like a sun, visible to all the inhabitants. Azula's eyes shone as bright as the gold around him as she took it all in. At last, she said. She turned to Aang with a smirk. Think they'll throw us a big festival? I could use a festival. An island of ice floated in the middle of the ocean, freezing a dozen of Bato ships together as they waited in place and prepared for their infiltration. In three days' time, Bato's plan would begin. He paced across the deck of his ship, his boots padding against the wooden floorboards. All the ships creaked and groaned with the ice binding them together, but it made the transference of supplies between ships easier. We're going hunting, men, Bato announced to his sailors. As such, I'll need the best hunters from each clan present. Under the cover of night, we'll sneak into their city and take it from the inside. Volunteers, stand and step forward, and I will mark you with courage and skill. And now, Prince Sokka's crew was under his command for the siege, so that obstacle was out of the way. Lady Kana was worried about her grandson. He spent hours holed up in his room among his maps, furs, and inventions, brooding and planning and drawing up schematics for various new toys. It was unhealthy, she thought. He needed sunlight and fresh air. He only came out in the evenings for food and training. Hunting the Avatar had become an obsession for Sokka, and it wasn't improving now that the Avatar had returned after a hundred years. So with a pie show board tucked under her arm and a tray of his favorite cookies, Kana marched through the ship's short hallway and into the prince's room after briefly knocking on his door. I thought my orders were clear, Sokka said plainly. Don't disturb me. He was sitting lazily upon his chair, spinning a small wooden contraption in his hands, as he stared blankly at the world map pinned to his mahogany table. Thankfully, he allowed sunlight to stream into the room through a window, but besides that, there was only a dim lantern to illuminate him. As always, his polar bear furs, arctic hen feathers, and numerous weapons were displayed on his walls. What are you doing? Kana inquired, closing the door behind her. Trying to think of a plan, he replied. Please leave. A plan to do what? Now that my crew has left me for Bato, I have to infiltrate the Golden City alone. What? she exclaimed. No grandson of mine is going into something that dangerous. I have a plan for me, he shot back. Just let me think before I lose it. When she didn't budge, he glowered at her. Oh, Gran, come on, it's drifting away. Bato won't let you join the invasion since you denied being under his command, Kana said taking a bite out of one of her cookies. But the beginnings of his fleet are still nearby. He is watching you. Then I will take his eye off me, he said, kicking up his feet and leaning forward with an almost feral grin. I've got an idea. How? Send out this letter, he said, gramming a brush in ink. He drew out his brush strokes with a flourish, his excitement evident. When he finished it, he waved it dry and handed it to Kana with a smirk. I will fake my own death. The palace throne room was chillingly similar to the one in the old Fire Nation capital that Aang remembered. The sight of the monolithic pillars, the flame burning behind the throne, 
and the cold marble floors brought back horrible memories that Aang never wanted surfaced again. The only difference this time, though, was the man seated on the throne and the people seated at his sides. One of these people Aang recognized. His pure white hair was neater than usual and tied back into a topknot, but the scrutinizing gaze was unmistakable. Master Zhang Zhang. Aang, Zuko, Azula, and Tai Li were led into the throne room where they bowed before the Fire Lord. Aang quivered with each step, full of unexpected rage and fear. Tai Li gave him a furtive glance and it made him wonder if his aura boiled off of him in waves. Luckily, this Fire Lord was not Ozai, so Aang didn't spring on him in uncontrollable righteous fury. The Avatar does not need to bow to me, said the Fire Lord. You are an honored guest. Thank you. It's great to finally be here, Aang replied respectfully. The sight of the man calmed him. He looked stern but strong, with a fire in his eyes that signified him as a worthy leader of these people. His black hair was tied back in a topknot like the others, but he only had a triple-pronged red headpiece, different from the five-pronged gold one that Aang normally saw on Ozai. Before Aang could say anything further, the Fire Lord's eyes widened. What is it, Fire Lord? Aang asked him, trying to follow his gaze. Was he looking at Azula? I am not the Fire Lord, the leader said, glancing back at Aang. I am simply High Chief Zhuzhen, but that girl is more royalty than I am. And then, he bowed to Azula, closely imitated by Zhang Zhang and the two or three other men and women behind him. She is the rightful heir of the Fire Nation. Azula yawned. No, I'm not. My uncle technically is. How do you know? Your golden headpiece, the high chief said, blinking. It was the symbol of royalty in the old Fire Nation. Yes, now it's simply a family heirloom, and unfortunately, I am not a princess, said Azula. And my brother isn't a prince. Aang remembered them mentioning this to him before, several weeks ago when he first learned of her headpiece. In a different world, if things happened a certain way, Azula would have been a royal tyrant. This thing means nothing now. Our place is not in the Golden City to rule. An interesting group was brought before us, the High Chief mused. The Avatar, the prince and princess of an ancient bloodline, and a hooded figure. I will not allow such rudeness in my throne room. Tylee froze in place. Azula crossed her arms. Just do it and listen to him, she said to the other girl. Stop being a wimp. I bet they won't even know or care who you are. If you say so, Azula, Tylee sighed, lifting off her hood. There was silence. See, I told you she was nobody important, Azula said smugly to nobody in particular. Princess Tylee! Three sets of eyes widened and turned to their companion as one. Tylee fidgeted under their gaze. Hi, Dad, she said meekly. Zuko grasped his forehead as if unable to comprehend the words circling around him. Tylee's a princess? Aang's own head was spinning with the irony of the situation. I did not expect to see you return, Zhuzhen said, his visage suddenly becoming cold and detached. Zhang Zhang and the others were silent, calmly regarding the princess before them. 
Why did you run away? The same reason all my other sisters did, she shouted at the older man, standing at her full height. I didn't want to rule. I wasn't ready. I was never ready. That is your duty, Tai Li, Zhang Zhang finally spoke. As a princess and heir, your duty is to your people. But I was the youngest of seven, she quivered, trying to suppress her conflicting emotions and pains, finally fighting to come to the surface. I never expected to having to rule, but when everyone else ran away from home, the responsibility was suddenly thrust on you, Zuko realized, staring at Tylee with realization and understanding. It was the same for me and Azula once Mom died and Dad went away. Why did all your other sisters run away? Aang asked softly. Same reason I did. They weren't ready to rule. First, my oldest sister ran away, and the responsibility kept getting passed down onto each of us down the line until it came to me. I couldn't handle it. Hot tears were streaming down her face. Her head was bowed, trying to hide them from her father. But then you wanted to come back. With us, Azula said. That doesn't make sense. I don't know. I didn't think about what I did until after I left with you guys. It seemed like a perfect opportunity at the time to go home, see if any of my sisters returned, try to fix things with Dad. Her voice faltered. But I knew it was a mistake. She ran from the chamber. Tylee, wait, Zuko shouted, running after her. Aang turned back to High Chief Zhu Zhen and his fire sages. I'm sorry, we didn't know she even lived in the Golden City. That is quite all right, the High Chief said with a sigh, rubbing his temples. I just hope she doesn't run away again, his voice trailed off. Perhaps I was being unfair to her. Thank you for returning her home. Well, enough of that, Azula said, waving her hand dismissively in Tai Li's vague direction. Aang and I came to find a firebending teacher. Have any in mind? Well, Zhu Zhen started. How about him? Aang questioned, pointing directly at Zhang Zhang. He seems powerful. Master Zhang Zhang is the strongest firebender in the whole city, the high chief said. Azula's eyes lit up. But he does not teach. Doesn't teach who? Aang asked, worried. Would he get into the same fiasco as he did with Paku and Katara? I do not teach anybody, Zhang Zhang spoke, his voice as tense as ever. Why not? Azula asked, sounding somewhat insulted. I have not yet found a worthy student, said the master firebender. Well, he's the avatar, Azula gestured to Aang, and I'm his best friend, she reasoned. Aang inwardly chuckled. He decided to sit back and let this event run its course. We are quite worthy. No, Zhang Zhang said flatly. Azula sent one of her piercing gazes at the master. She opened her mouth to speak. As princess of the Fire Nation. You are no princess, Zhang Zhang interrupted, straightening his vests of red, white, and gold. You have admitted as much. Now Azula was starting to get angry. Chief Zhuzhen, command him to teach me. I am sure you can find another teacher, the high chief tried to reconcile. Azula set her jaw with determination. 
I will only learn from the best. You lack patience and discipline, said Zhang Zhang. Go with the other trainees and learn simple breathing and meditation exercises first. Azula fully glared at the firebending master. Very well, she said tensely. I will dominate all the other competition and then return to you for further judgment. She turned around briskly and left the throne room without a backward glance. Sorry about her, too, Aang said with a grin. Zhu Zhen chuckled. Be sure to return to the palace tonight. A festival will be thrown in your honor, the high chief replied. We'll find you a master. Actually, I share Azula's state of mind, Aang stated. I think only Zhang Zhang will do. He noticed the master's slightly amused expression, but he didn't comment. Until tonight, sir, master, Aang said to the chief and the firebender. They nodded and he left. He made a mental note to praise Azula later. Tai Li! Zuko sprinted down the stone steps in front of the palace after the distraught girl. The sun had started to set behind the lip of the Caladra, casting the city in shadow. Tai Li, wait! She finally stopped at the base of the steps and sat down, putting her head in her hands. You probably think I'm just a spoiled little rich kid now, don't you? Zuko came to a stop and sat down at her side. That's not true. She laughed. Look at me. I'm crying over nothing. This whole city would be mine. She held out her hands as if to encompass the sea of gold before her. I'm supposed to be happy. But instead you ran away, said Zuko. It's okay. I kind of understand where you're coming from. You do? It was like I said inside, he continued. After Mom died and Dad went off to war, all the responsibility of the village was thrust on the two of us. We had to do all the hunting, the protecting, and even the leading. All we had to help us was our Uncle Iroh. Yes, but apparently you two were doing fine, said Tylee. I lived in a sheltered palace life ever since I was born. I don't really know how to lead such a huge city. At least you caught a glimpse of the real world, Zuka said. How long ago did you run away? It's almost a year now, she said, letting out a deep exhale. And I guess I was the first one to come back. Maybe I was a little homesick. How many sisters do you have? Did they all go? Zuko asked, surprise edging its way into his voice. Yes, the oldest was Tai Loka. She ran away first. Then it was Tai Luko, and Tai Zula followed her. Next was Tai Ru, and Mei Li, and then Susan. Do you know where any of them are? Zuko asked the frown. No, she curled up in a ball. I mean, I guess I can hope that someone will come home before it's my time to rule. But they don't write or anything, and I know Dad's really worried about all of them. He put his arm around her as a source of comfort. Well, maybe you can stay with us until it's time for you to rule. Then we'll come back and support you, he whispered into her ear. She got caught up in his words and turned her head to look into his sincere eyes. They moved as one to kiss each other. Before their lips touched, she pulled away. No, I can't. Why not? I thought you liked me, he said. He couldn't pretend he wasn't hurt, especially when she stood and stepped away from him. I do, Zuko. Then why can't we be together? 
Everything was fine before we came here. She'd always been the one to make her feelings known. He couldn't help but run the events of the past few days through his mind, wondering where he might have messed up, but her next words stopped him cold. Because I'm engaged. I'm going to get married. And then she ran away again, but he was unable to follow. The half-metal figure released smashing sounds with every one of his steps, crushing twigs and stone underneath his feet. He walked calmly and openly under the cover of night, ready to complete his assignment. His mission led him to a port city on the edge of the Fire Nation, specifically a Water Tribe Navy dock. He stopped in front of Prince Sokka's ship, and suddenly, from the eye-shaped tattoo on his forehead, a single ray of light shot to the wooden ship obliterating a large part of it in an explosion. A second and third ray followed, engulfing the ship in flames and reducing the ship and anyone on it to ashes and kindling. His mission completed. The combustion man left the scene to collect his pay. The entire Golden City was alive under the nighttime sky, celebrating a festival in honor of the Avatar and their kin from the south. The golden rooftops glittered from the light of the bonfires all around the city, lighting it up even with the dark sky overhead. Zhu Zhen, Aang, Tai Li, Zuko, and Azula sat at the head of a gigantic table filled with more spicy foods of the Fire Nation than Aang could name. He saw fried squid and fish, rice dishes sizzling in bowls of meat, their juices and spices making his nose sting. Someone heaped a helping of chicken pig adobo braised in soy sauce onto his plate, while another spooned borax tail and vegetables onto peanut sauce for him. Others offered sweeter foods ranged from pineapple or banana. Master Zhang Zhang and two sun warriors performed a three-way duel on a raised platform. Azula was entranced by their firebending might. Rings of fire circled around each of the three benders. There were theatric flares and sparks, fireballs, acrobatic maneuvers, punches and kicks, and fireworks lit to scream in the air behind them in dazzling displays of color. They ended the show by feeding streams of fire into the very center of the platform, causing them to clash in a fiery red inferno. Azula ignored Zuko's brooding, Aang's careful observations, and Tai Li's uncharacteristic depression. The princess and the high chief's relationship seemed to be detached and polite in the wake of the day's events. They no longer spoke of Tai Li's flight or ascension to the throne when she came of age. As Azula watched the mock fire duel on the platform, her eyes widened as she came up with a sudden, if crazy, idea. Unable to wait for the duel to end, she stood up from her seat and approached the platform, speaking loudly to Zhang Zhang and interrupting the duel. I challenge you to a duel, she bellowed. Everything fell silent as the firebenders halted their performance and looked at her below them, as stunned as anyone else. Only Zhang Zhang, now in a vest with pointed gold shoulders for the show, looked unfazed. Tai Li dropped her chopsticks into her dish of the clatter. Azula, don't, she called to her friend. Are you aware of the rules of an Agni Kai? Zhang Zhang spoke to her coldly. Azula didn't answer, and Aang wondered if she'd ever heard of the term in her world. In an Agni Kai, we fight to the death. They are not taken lightly. If I win, I only want you to teach Aang and me, Azula said proudly. However, if you are the victor, you may uphold the rules as you wish. Zuko slapped his forehead. My sister is really smart, but sometimes she's an idiot. Aang rose and jumped clear over the table to Azula's side. 
Azula, I'm not letting you fight a battle for me. We'll duel him together. Aang, this is a battle of honor. You don't understand our customs. Stay out of it, she said to him a bit harshly, her eyes fixed on the firebending master. Very well, said Zhang Zhang, gesturing to the other sun warriors to clear the platform. Azula jumped up to take their place, falling into a firebending stance. I accept your challenge. If I lose, I will take on firebending students again. The man's face hardened. Begin. Azula wasted no time, immediately becoming aggressive with two quick punches and a kick, releasing fireballs on an arc of flame. Zhang Zhang bent below the balls and cleaved the arc in half of his hand, consecutively releasing a constant stream of fire that circled around Azula and enshrouded her in flames. She thrust her joined hands into the inferno and spread them out, dispersing the attack as she ran closer to her opponent, firing away from her palm. Zhang Zhang answered the colossal wall of fire that covered the whole arena and more, easily absorbing the attack. His younger opponent took him by surprise when she jumped through the wall with a fist of flame, nearly striking him in the face, but he redirected her arm and pushed her to the side. He sent a sweeping kick of fire at her as she fumbled, but she pushed herself off the ground and spun her legs in the air, almost blasting him with a windmill of fire. Training with her paid off, Aang, Zuko said to the amused avatar. Has that been enough to show you how good I am? Azula asked the old man, smirking. No, he answered flatly. You do not exert any control. Several times you came close to harming our audience. Fire is... Alive! I know that, she interrupted him. He cupped a ball of fire in his hands and hurled it at Azula, who crossed her arms to block the attack, but it still succeeded in pushing her back. Zhang Zhang tucked his arms into his body for a moment and gathered an immense amount of heat, releasing a spinning inferno that covered him in a shield of fire and shot a bolt of flame at Azula. She summoned enough fire to protect herself from the bulk of the attack, but the force still pushed her back again and she went tumbling off of the platform. However, she recovered quickly and jumped back at him, shooting a continuous blaze from her joined fists. Her top knot came undone and her headpiece clattered to the ground. The firebending master held both of his hands in front of him, protecting himself from the power of the attack as the fire streamed to his sides, making Aang feel the heat of her attack as he drew in as close to the battle as he dared. Azula didn't stop at the stream of fire, so Zhang Zhang walked closer to her. The heat was becoming more intense for Aang as he came, but the master pushed against her power with fire of his own. She finally cut off the surge of energy as he neared, but he gathered a fireball in his hands from the remnants of her attack and hurled it at her. The concussive attack struck and knocked her backwards again, but this time she was in too much pain to stand and fight more. She groaned from the ground, expecting him to deal the finishing blow. Instead, the firebending master was distracted by a glint of gold on the ground and knelt to pick up her headpiece. His eyes widened as he recognized the artifact. I don't believe it, Zhang Zhang said, his voice full of shock. What don't you believe? You already know about my heritage, Azula shot at him. She slowly sat up, cringing in pain. He gave her one of his characteristic stoic expressions. Quite honestly, I thought it was a fake. Many counterfeits of this crown have been made over the years, but this specific one has a scratch on the inside from misuse that I know well. You are not only descended from Fire Nation royalty, I know the last person that this headpiece belonged to. I've seen it before. Yeah, Earlier, when we first entered the palace, she said scathingly, are you going to kill me or not? He ignored her. I haven't just seen it. I used to own it. This headpiece used to belong to a man named Iroh, and it was customary back in the days of Fire Nation royalty for the crown prince to give it to a trusted friend for safekeeping. It was a form of brotherhood. What? You know my uncle? The young firebender asked. 
Aang's eyes widened as he recognized the scene. Were the worlds really so similar at their core that similar events would play out with entirely different people? You're from the southern archipelago, yes? I lived in your village many years ago. Iroh was my best friend when we were young, but when it was time for us to go off to war when we became of age, I was afraid. I did not believe in the war or our reasons for fighting him, said Zhang Zhang, staring at the golden headpiece in his palm. What happened? Azula asked, standing. Zuko, Tai Li, Zhu Zhen, and all the other people at the party were transfixed and silent. Iroh helped me desert and come here, Zhang Zhang continued. I fled in dishonor, but he didn't judge me for a moment. I owe him my life. The soldiers in the village would have beaten me if I'd refused to join them. I left this headpiece behind, returned to its rightful hands, for I did not believe that I deserved Iroh's brotherhood. I never knew Uncle fought in a war, Zuko said, awed. I have decided, Zhang Zhang said, standing up straight. I will teach you, Azula. I owe your uncle that much, and the Avatar, if he still desires to learn from me. Of course, Master Zhang Zhang, Aang said, bowing respectfully. Zhang Zhang's fiery death reigned heavily in his mind. He died in the battle on the day of Zosin's Comet, but he had slain many firebenders of his power. This time, he hoped to make it up to him. Azula accepted her headpiece from the master, and surprisingly, she also bowed low. It will be an honor to learn under you. Kana was let into Bato's chambers in his ship with a mournful expression on her face. The clan chief was seated at a small table, sipping tea as she arrived. Lady Kana, it is a pleasure, he said. Have you accepted my offer? She made a show of sniffling into her handkerchief. I am sorry, Chief Bato, she croaked. The grief from Sokka's death is still heavy on me. Then you should join the invasion and witness my glorious victory over the remnants of the Fire Nation, out of revenge for our lost wolf. Your healing skills are renowned throughout the Water Nation, and your help would be imperative to victory. Heal all of our wounded, and prevent any lives from being lost, in honor of our venerable prince, he said as she sat down at the table. She drank a warm cup of tea, which helped to settle her nerves. Do you know anything of the attack? He asked her. Or who was behind it? You have my deepest sympathies. The Emperor will not take this lightly. Yes. The assassin, known as Combustion Man, was behind it. We've run into him before, she said softly. However, I will help you in your conquest in the name of my beloved grandson. She raised her cup of tea in a toast. To the Water Nation. To victory. Aang and Zhang Zhang were in silent meditation as the sun rose, centering the heat in their bodies. They sat together on a dais overlooking the city, stylized gold statues of blocky dragons flanking them on either side. Aang felt some trepidation about the prospect of learning from Zhang Zhang again, but he hoped he was more patient this time. Azula burst onto the scene with fire raging in her hands, kicking and whirling as she practiced forms from their old firebending scroll. Zhang Zhang sighed. You really do not know the value of quiet meditation, do you? Not right now, she said. I feel the fire burning within me. It wants out. Don't you feel it too, Aang? I do, said Aang, opening one eye and trying to hide his grin. But, um... Master Zhang Zhang is a big fan of sitting still and breathing. We should probably follow his lesson. 
She rolled her eyes, but grinned and sat down next to him. Very well, but when are we starting with complex firebending forms? Hey guys, it is me again, closing out the chapter and thanking you for listening. As always, I would love it if you left a comment, subscribed, thumbs up, reviewed it, gave us some stars, or did literally anything to show your appreciation. If you want to hit us up on one of our social medias, well, here they are. The Reddit handle is Distorted Reality Pod. That's capital D for distorted, capital R for reality, capital P for pod. P-O-D, not podcast. There's a character limit, apparently. For Twitter, our handle is at Athla, capital A, capital T, capital L, capital A. Distort, with a capital D, pod. Again, pod, not podcast. And, of course, the Tumblr, which is our primary platform, where you can send us an ask on Anonymous. We will keep our Anonymous on until we get, well, you know. Our Tumblr is Avatar Distorted Reality Dash Podcast. Yep, that's it. That's the Tumblr. And, of course, Gmail, for longer, weirder, or more personal stuff regarding the podcast. I'm not sure what that would be, honestly, but, you know, we g- we're giving you the option. Avatar Distorted Reality Podcast at gmail.com. Yes, Avatar Distorted Reality Podcast at gmail.com is our email. Don't be afraid to reach out if you like us and want to tell us over email or in our Twitter DMs or whatever catches your fancy. Next week, like I said before, is a special episode because it's two episodes. Because it's the season finale of book one. Super cool. Can't wait to give it to you. Alright, that's it. That's the episode. Bye.